Welcome in to another show for the Golden Sobrero Show. This episode, we're going to be talking about the wildcard round that just occurred over the past week. And then this upcoming week, we're getting the divisional round play for both the National and American League. I'm Dominic Stern, joined as always by Cole Bradley and Ryan Blank. Guys, how are you doing today? I don't get to ask you how your teams are doing because you guys are going to make the post But how are you guys doing? Hope you enjoyed your uh, your Sunday football. It was good, man. How are you? I, I'm doing great. Potter's moved on. I love it. You know, I enjoyed Sunday football, but the Chiefs don't play till tomorrow because of COVID. So we're loving it. But, you know, part of me wanted the Padres to lose just so you would not say something about our two teams not making the playoffs. Yeah, I I certainly thought we were going to lose. At one point, Padres were down. Uh, they lost game one, and they were down 4 nothing in the second inning in game two. Everything seemed bleak, but uh, it's going to be – hopefully the Potters can continue the Cinderella story. Um, but let, let's talk about the American League first because those games started first on Tuesday. And let's talk about the first series of the day. We had the Houston Astros as the sixth seed, finishing under 500, going to face the Minnesota Twins as the three seed. And, guys, the Houston Astros, despite having the worst record in the American League, they ended up sweeping the Minnesota Twins, taking game one, four to one, and then taking game two, three to one. It was really a pitching clinic from the Houston Astros, whose pitching staff wasn't that great over the course of the season. Uh, what did you guys make of this uh, short two-game series? I thought it was interesting how um, Minnesota, you know, as good as they are as a team, obviously um, offensively and everything, um, came in and just they, they just looked flat. I mean, you know, for a team that prides themselves so much in offense, you know, you'd expect more runs to be put up on the board, and that just wasn't the case. Um, you know, I thought the uh, postseason losing streak was pretty daunting. I think it's 18 straight losses now in the postseason, which is just ridiculous. I mean, I guess, if you know, if we're going off of history, you know, this is probably no surprise. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, given the records and given the performances by both teams this year, I definitely I definitely think it's a shocker that it didn't at least go three games and that they weren't at least competitive games. I mean, Minnesota was just shut down. Yeah, this series shocked me. I expected a lot more from the Twins. The bats were really just dead. They scored two runs. It was – this is a team that was so – power heavy and put up a lot of runs last year and this year. And you just didn't see it, but I got to give a couple shout outs to Framber Valdez and Christian Javier from the bullpen of the Astros combined to go eight innings in those two games and give up no runs. They both came up huge for the Astros in these games, slowing down that Minnesota offense. And I don't know. I just think we have a, a little curse with the twins in the playoffs and it looks like they're just continuing to struggle, but I can't remember, but it's, I think 12 or 13 of those games have been losses to the Yankees, but overall disappointing end to the season for the twins after a great way to end the year, regaining the division lead and gain the division title. Yeah, it was, it was tough because like you said, the twins made such a good run at the end of the season. I know that, I had them going to the championship series. I know Cole had them going to the World Series. Ryan, I, I don't think you had them going as I had, far. I had them going to the ALCS. Yeah, so we were all expecting big things out of this team because we knew the pitching staff was far improved from last year. The offense uh, put up nowhere near as good as numbers as they did last year, but that's just because their offense was insane last year. Nelson Cruz looked like the only player for the Twins that actually wanted to hit the ball. He drove in both their two runs one in game one and the one in game two, it, they were just popping up left and right. They weren't, they were putting together some pretty solid at bats. They just weren't completing them. And they had bases loaded in the first inning in both games one and game two, filled the score both times. And when you're playing a team that has a ton of postseason experience like the Houston Astros do, you can't afford to do that. And I don't want to say Houston's going to get crushed by Oakland, but. Oakland certainly looks like the much better team all year, and they killed Houston throughout the year, except for when uh, except for when Matt Chapman got hurt prior to facing them. It's going to be tough to see because, I, I don't know, uh, Houston, uh, their offense stunk all year. 
and they put together enough runs to beat them this time. And their pitching staff wasn't great, but they got a key performances from what Ryan said, Framer Valdez and Christian Javier, who like really aren't relief pitchers they're starters. And they use those guys out of the bullpen to give them three, four plus innings, which is what they did back when they won the world series over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Certainly interesting series. Let's move on. We're, we're still going to talk about the two game series before we move on and talk about Chicago versus Oakland, Toronto versus Tampa Bay. I mean, not much you can really say it. Tampa Bay Rays, America's team. They simply just dominated Toronto, holding them to just one run in game one, and then in game two, holding them to two runs. It's that pitching staff that we've talked about all year, uh, kept their foot on the gas pedal, and the offense put together a couple of runs early against Hunjin Ryu to elevate them over the Blue Jays. What did you guys think of this series? Well, I think it really, you know, I, I think it's really no surprise. I mean, the Rays are just the better team. Um, but again, it's just so it's just so crazy to see them, you know, be able to perform as well as they have this year coming into the postseason, you know, given all the injuries. But now they got most of those guys back healthy um, and it really shows, you know, how successful they can be um, from here on out. I thought that, you know, I don't know. I just thought they played really good baseball. Um, everything was really clicking for him. I mean, it just really goes to show the Blue Jays aren't really ready for this kind of uh, for a good playoff run for a long time. Um, they really made it in just because, you know, getting hot at the right time was such a huge thing this year. But, um, yeah, really no surprises for me. Um, I thought this series played out pretty much as expected. Yeah, no shock here. And the reason this series wasn't going to be a shocker really to anyone if the Jays got swept was because they're such a young team. They haven't had the playoff experience. But I think this is going to help them in the future because they've got a bright future. They've got a terrific young core. But going over to the Rays, starting pitching, got to give them a shout-out. Combined to go 11 two-thirds innings, struck out 17 batters total. The starting pitching and that entire pitching staff is the strength of the Rays. The dangerous part about the Rays is that on offense, they can win playing small ball or even going long ball. They can hit for power too. This is a team that can do it all in every asset of the game. So this is why I'm so excited to see them throughout the rest of the season, and especially against – especially against the Yankees division rival in this divisional series. But I really do think that looking at game two, their DH, Randy Rosarina, three for four with an RBI. He came up clutching game one too. So really key performances from some, from some players on the race. And that's what really led them to get the sweep. And Randy Rosarena was kind of the throw in, in the deal in which the race sent their top pitching prospect uh, Liberator to the Cardinals. They got a Rosarena and Jose Martinez. Martinez no longer with the team. He was traded at the deadline. And Rosarena has been one of the best hitters of late. He's all of a sudden batting third because he's got that elite bat speed. He can run. He can play the field. And it just comes to show you, man, the Rays, they find ways to get players that you don't want. And they will get the best out of those guys. And that's why all of a sudden they're the one seed. They swept the Blue Jays. They look good. And it's going to be a challenge. They're certainly not playing the Blue Jays anymore. Now they got to face the Yankees, who I know I picked the lose to the Cleveland Indians. We'll talk about that series in a minute. But Tampa Bay, I mean, they're, they're, they've showed why they were the best team in the American League all year. So let's talk about the, the third and final sweep in the American League wildcard round. New York Yankees went into Cleveland and really showed them who's boss with the bats. Game one, Shane Bieber, runaway AL signing award pick. He won the triple crown. Uh, had never made a postseason, ex- uh, never made a postseason start, and the Yankees got to him early. Ended up winning this game, twelve to three, behind a good start from Garrett Cole. Gotta give a shout out to my guy Josh Naylor. He was killing it all series. And game two, arguably the best game of the postseason so far. Back and forth affair. The Yankees ended up coming out on top with two runs in the ninth inning off closer Brad Hand. What did you guys make of this thrilling series? Well, I mean, it's definitely shocked me. I mean, I think, Dom, you and I had the Indians winning this one. Um, and, I mean, Bieber got shelled in game one, which, you know, again, when it comes to the postseason, you know, you take all the performances that you had in the regular season and, you know, essentially throw them out the window because they don't matter. You know, you start with – everyone starts with zeros. You're kind of a new player when postseason starts. So, 
as shocked as I am that he got, you know, blown up um, in game one, you know, it was his first postseason start, and it doesn't help that he's doing it against one of the most lethal lineups in baseball. Um, but then game two, you know, you mentioned game two was just – I mean, it was all over the place. I mean, I think it was like a couple rain delays. You know, it lasted forever, um, really back and forth. It was entertaining. I think the Indians really gave um, – you know, really gave it a gave it a shot in game two to try and come back and at least force a game three. But I think the pitching, which, you know, is something they really pride themselves on a lot like, you know, how the, you know, twins pride themselves on the offense just didn't show up. Um, and that was really the reason why they, you know, were swept in two games. I think, you know, if you don't have the pitching coming into the postseason, then, you know, how far are you really going to go is the question. Um, and so, you know, it just it just stinks to see that for the Indians, but at the same time, you know that's New York. You know, coming out swinging the bats and you know getting a really good start out of Garrett Cole, their ace, in Game One. Um, you know, that's all you can really say about it. Yeah, I was the only one out of the three of us to pick the Yankees in this series, and I said Garrett Cole is a beast in the playoffs, and he's away from Yankee Stadium. He outdueled Shane Bieber, seven innings, thirteen strikeouts, only giving up two runs. He was terrific. Labor Torres was great throughout the entire series as well. In the first game, four for four with three ribbies. Game two, he had one hit, not as great of a game, but he also got on base three times with two walks. So he was huge for the lineup throughout the series. But I think that the Yankees, you're now seeing what they're made of when they're healthy. They're fully healthy, and hopefully they can stay that way. But I was really impressed, especially – Coming up clutch after a rough start for Masahiro Tanaka, who usually performs very well in the playoffs. He had a rough start, and they picked him up, and they came back and won. DJ LeMahieu with the big hit after the second rain delay. But, no, it was a – I loved the second game. It was very entertaining. I think the best game in the playoffs so far. So, I think that the Yankees are a very dangerous team, and they proved that with going to Cleveland and sweeping the Indians. And yeah. just to add on to your point, Ryan, sorry, Dom, um, you know, talking about guys coming back healthy, I mean, it really kind of started, you know, you saw it in the first inning. I mean, J- Judge hits that two-run home run against Bieber in game one, sort of sets the tone. Exactly. You know, that's the kind – yeah, and we all know he's a really good hitter, especially in the postseason. And, you know, that's obviously a guy they needed back. I mean, I think Stanton homered as well. Stanton kind of underperformed, I feel like. But, you know, having those guys healthy and being able to perform, especially for the Yankees um, – you know, at the right time after, you know, such an injury riddled season, you know, that's a huge thing for them. And that's honestly part of the reason why they got so far. DJ LeMahieu as well was super good. I mean, he's again, proving why he's one of, if not the best hitter in baseball. Um, He's just so good at getting on base, so good at racking up hits. And he came up with some of the biggest hits in the series. So, you know, I think that's all um, the biggest reasons why the Yankees ended up winning this one. More and more, that signing of DJ LeMahieu last offseason has just proved wonders for the Yankees. And another thing was that grand slam from Gio Urshela in game two. I don't think we really need to talk about game one because the Yankees just blew him out of the water. But James Karinczak, one of the best relievers in all of baseball this past year, 27 innings pitched, 2.67 ERA, and he had 53 strikeouts in that time. And they bring him in to face Gio and he throws 99 right on the corner. Urshela just slammed it in. It was a revenge series for Gio Urshela. They traded him to the Yankees for $25,000. And it must have felt insanely good for him to hit that grand slam to take the lead. Uh, lead definitely went back and forth. That game was electric. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about that game. So let's talk about the final series in the American League. Chicago White Sox. The seventh seed after they were winning the division heading into the final week of the year, going up against the Oakland Athletics, the two seed Chicago. Uh, all year they had hit uh, left handed starting pitchers significantly better. I don't think they lost to a left handed starting pitcher all year. Faced Jesus Lazardo in game one. They got to him. Uh, they got to him early, won that game four to one. Game two uh, was a flip, flip of the script. The, the A's jumped out early on Dallas Keuchel. And the White Sox, they made it very interesting in the end. But Liam Hendricks, uh, he threw almost 50 pitches as a relief pitcher, as a closer 
in this game. Jake Diekman had to come in and get the save as the A's held on 5-3. to three. And then the final game, another one of those really entertaining games. Uh, it was super slow, uh, took forever, but it was one of those art baseball games. And Oakland held on 6-4 to four with that late rally in the end. What did you guys make of this series? Because this was easily the most exciting series in the American League, given that it actually went three games. 100%. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely a grinded-out series. I knew it was going to be interesting from the start. I mean, even though Chicago comes in as a seventh seed, you know, they're not – you know, they're a real grindy team. They don't make it easy, you know, for you to run away with a win, you know. Um, and they definitely proved that in this series. First off, you can't really talk about um, – this series without mentioning that Lucas Giolito almost threw another no hitter um, in game one of the series pitched absolutely phenomenal um, really willed them the White Sox to it to a game one win but then it was just the A's I think sort of coming back the next two days and saying you know what we need to sort of pull it together these guys aren't a joke and again very grinded out last two games um, especially game three which was I mean a bullpen game on both sides um, you know I think you know, with the White Sox not really having a plan going in with pitching, I think that honestly might have been what costed them, plus the injuries. I mean, they lost um, Garrett Crochet, who's arguably their top um, prospect arm coming into the year. Guy hasn't played a single minor league game yet, um, but he's super good, you know, lights out kind of stuff. You know, he doesn't even get to get through two innings. You know, he gets hurt. They have to pull him out early. You know, if he stays in that game, you know, maybe he holds down the A's lineup for a little longer and gives the White Sox an opportunity to score more. I think injuries were probably the primary reason why the White Sox didn't even end up winning um, the series. You know, they had to pull out um, Eloy Jimenez as well in that game. So definitely a really well-fought game on both sides. I thought it was really well-managed by both guys too. Bob Melvin and Rick Renteria, I thought really, um, you know, played were, I thought this was really like a like a game of chess the entire series. You know, both managers really had a um, made some mistakes, but obviously, I think you know for the most part, you know, they made a lot of really good moves, and it led to a pretty exciting series. But I mean, the A's again just proving why you know they're one of the best teams in the league and why they deserve to move on. Yeah, for sure. Giolito was lights out in game one, but coming into game two, you had two great performances in from the A's first one in game two was from Ramon Laureano. Laureano came up big two for four in that game. Then game three, got to give a ton of credit to Chad Pender came in as a pinch hitter for Jake Lamb, two for three with two RBIs. He was great. Marcus Simeon also came up big in game three, but I think that you got to give a huge shout out to Chris Bassett. Elimination game out and he pitched a gem. Seven innings, one earned run, five strikeouts. This is someone that people have to get familiar with. He's been terrific all year long. He is a guy that deserves Cy Young votes. He's not going to get it because it's easily Shane Bieber's, but he should get a couple of votes. Five and two. He had a 2-2-9 ERA this year, third best in the American League. He's been terrific for them, and he pitched great. And then in game three, that bullpen was – the bullpen and the arms coming out of the bullpen was huge. Fires only went – an inning in two-thirds. And then you have Petit, Montas, Wendelkin, Trevino, Diekman, Soria, and Ken, and Liam Hendricks come in and shut him down. He That was incredible to see all those guys come in and pull together and get the win there. I've been very high on the A's all year, and I think that the A's, despite losing Matt Chapman, have looked pretty good. So I really like the A's, and this is their bullpen – Proved why they're one of the best in this series. But I think another issue for the White Sox in this series was that Jose Abreu came up multiple times with the bases loaded and did not drive in a run. They did not do a great job with the bases loaded or really with runners in scoring position in key situations. And I think that hurt them a lot. Yeah, and part of the reason the Ash, the not the Astros, the A's lineup hasn't really faltered without Matt Chapman is because they have Rick Lamb. And Rick Lamb... Uh, he certainly didn't live up to the name that he established himself in Arizona. But when he went over to Oakland at the deadline, he actually started to pick things up. 267 to 327 OBP, 556 slugging. That's a 143 OPS plus, guys. So, I mean, that's that's just as good, if not better, 
than most of Matt Chapman's seasons offensively. Now, of course, where Matt Chapman brings his value is in the glove. And then when you put offensive numbers somewhere in the realm of that, that's where Matt Chapman's extremely valuable. But he, and then like you mentioned, uh, Ryan, when uh, they brought in Pinder to replace uh, Jake Lamb, it was early. It seemed like, yo, what, what is Bob Melvin doing? Because Bob Melvin, you know, he's got the reputation of getting his team to win the regular season. But when it comes to postseason time, he's made some managerial mistakes, but he pulled all the right strings in games two and three. So they didn't have to play in that winner-take-all game uh, to start off the postseason. Uh, they got that a little bit later down the line. They started to get things going, and the A's actually went through. They finally pulled through. Uh, got to give props to the White Sox. Uh, I certainly didn't think they were going to make the playoffs this year. Certainly expected bigger steps. I know you guys were higher on them than I was, but they, they were tremendous all year. Put up a good fight in all those games, and Tim Anderson looked unbelievable in the postseason. I think he had three hits and two, if not three, of the games. He was a stud. He's just been killing it all year. Really showing yeah, he- it last year wasn't a fluke. So that that's going to wrap up the American League wildcard round talk. Let's talk about the National League. Let's talk about the first series, and I as the Golden Sombrero Show, this has to be our favorite series. The Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves. Man, this series sucked to watch because the pitching staff, they would allow runners to get on base, and then the batters would just strike out. And it was tough to watch because, like, as a baseball fan, you want to see some scoring. Now, we do appreciate pitching more than everyone else, but there was just no hitting in the series at all. It took 13 innings. For there to be a run scored in game one. Uh, Gotta give credit to Trevor Bauer and Max Freed. They were both unbelievable. Bullpens, they were a little shaky at times, but they ended up getting the job done. And then Freddie Freeman drove in the winning run in game one. Game two, Ian Anderson, the rookie for the Atlanta Braves. The reason I picked the Reds over the Braves in the series was because outside of Max Freed, they were going to have two rookies starting games two and games three. And I just wasn't sure how a rookie making a start in Game 2 and Game 3 was going to pan out. Uh, Ian Anderson looked great. I uh, gave him some quality innings, hand the ball over to the bullpen. Luis Castillo only allowed one run, but that was enough for the loss in the 5-0 game. The The Braves did end up, did end up blowing this game open in the end. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it was a tough series to watch, especially with all the other games going on because you're like, what are these guys going to score? And they just never did. Uh, what did you guys make of the series? This is an awesome series to watch, like you said. I mean, aside from no runs being scored or little to no runs being scored, really, it was just so fun to see, you know, a couple top arms, you know, really go at it. Um, Max Freed and um, Trevor Bauer in game one. I mean, what a headliner to start a series. I mean, two, you know, Cy Young um, caliber pitchers going at it in game one, and they obviously impressed. Bauer was so good. He was lights out. He made, again, a very potent Atlanta lineup look like a T-ball team. I mean, they they had really no chance against him. He was nasty. Freed was really good, too. Um, definitely, you know, helped anchor, you know, or helped set the tone for the pitching staff, which is I, part of the reason why I think, you know, the pitching was able to perform so well because, I mean, again, let's face it, Atlanta's, I mean, the pride of Atlanta really isn't their pitching, especially coming into the postseason after all of their injuries and, you know, all the stuff they've had to go through. But, you know, they came up big when it mattered most. And, I mean, like you said, Ian Anderson, the rookie starting game two, really did a nice job, really performed well, especially um, in a situation where if you're the Braves, you're like, we want to win this game. You know, we want to sweep these guys and get to the next series. You know, Ian Anderson came out and threw really well. I thought Luis Castillo was super good as well, too. Five and a third innings pitch. He, I think, struck out like seven or something like that. Um, he was really good. You know, really good pitching on both sides. But like you said, it would have been nice to see a little bit more runs scored. I think Atlanta, again, you know, being that their offense is so potent, um, it's, um, coming in, you know, they just had more of the advantage on paper there. But, I mean, at the same time, if you're Cincinnati, you know, that's no slouch of a lineup either. I mean, they definitely performed well. I think they were kind of coming in, um, you know, looking to jump on on Atlanta, but they just couldn't do that. And they didn't come up big in a lot of situations where they had guys in scoring position, less than two outs, especially in the postseason. That's where you got to come through. 
And um, unfortunately, they didn't do that. And that's why they end up losing this series. Yeah. Frustrating series. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to take the blame for the Reds losing because once I hopped off the bandwagon, they started winning. I get back on and then they lose. So I think next season, I'm just going to be a quiet fan and be a quiet bandwagon. You suck. Hey, I, hey, I got on the Padres and they won. So just saying. But no, I think this series, especially in game two, showed the reliance of power in that Reds lineup. They had 11 hits in game one and couldn't manufacture a run. I don't get that. I don't get it. There's a point where you've just got to go against what you're usually doing and go with some small ball. If they would have done small ball, gone small ball route, they would have put up runs. But and then game two, they had two hits. Trevor Bauer was terrific. He was seven and a third, and he couldn't get any run support. But the starting pitching from the Braves was insane. Max Freed has been terrific for the Braves all year long, stepping up for the loss of Michael Soroka. He this season he had a two two five ERA and won seven games. He's been terrific. Ian Anderson was a beast. I agree with you, Dom. The reason I chose the Reds to win the series was because of starting pitching after Max Freed. But Ian Anderson went six innings and had nine strikeouts and only gave up those two hits. He was terrific. The Reds' offense just could not get those runs in, and I think that hurts them. They have to be better with runners in scoring position. They have to be better manufacturing runs and stop relying on power. So frustrating series for the Reds, and the Trevor Bauer era in Cincinnati could be coming to a close. Yeah, they, they need to focus more on their off, their offense this offseason. Clearly, after watching that series, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this offseason because a lot of people like us thought they were going to be really good coming into the year. We're disappointed. They got hot in the end, which we all saw coming, and then it just came to a collapse at the end. Yeah, I had the Reds in the NLCS. It's tough. Yeah, it, it is tough. But credit to the Braves. Situational hitting was great. Freeman, Acuna, they the lineup did their job. I mean, they did their job to an extent. They did what they had to do to win these games. And Basically, what yes, you're right. Yes. So, uh, other series that ended in two games that ended uh, on Thursday, uh, Milwaukee Brewers and Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, I said I'd give the Brewers at least a chance in game two with Woodruff on the mound. And then assuming they'd have Devin Williams coming out of the bullpen and then Josh Hader hand the ball to him. But Devin Williams prior to the series was not activated because he had some arm issues because he was pitching a lot down the stretch for them, trying to get them into the postseason. Do what had to, he did what he had to do, uh, but he wasn't activated. And pretty much at that point, every single person's like, okay, Dodgers are winning this game in two series. And that's what happened. I don't really have any takeaways for, away from this other than the fact that the Dodgers have good pitching staff, so do the Brewers, but the Dodgers lineup is significantly better than the Brewers. Yeah, I'd say the exact same thing. I mean, it's really no surprise. I do think, you know, you got to obviously give credit to Woodruff, you know, who's probably one of, if not the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I mean, especially after a start like that, you know, that guy does not get anywhere near the amount of credit he deserves. Um, he went out there and shoved, and unfortunately, again, it was another story where, you know, lack of run support just kills you, um, especially in an elimination game where you've got to put runs on the board. I know it's Clayton Kershaw, but Clayton Kershaw has never been really good in the postseason. Um, you know, capitalizing on on those little things, you know, can really help you, you know, at least string a couple runs together and possibly avoid elimination and force, force a game three. But, you know, I mean, obviously dominated by L.A. Um, up and down, you know, there really was no facet that wasn't dominated by LA, you know, again, they're just proving why they're probably the best team in baseball. Um, and they're probably going to go a long way. It's just, you know, you would have at least liked to see the Brewers as an eight seed coming in and at least be competitive. Um, but, you know, obviously that wasn't the case and, you know, not having a guy like Williams um, to come out of your bullpen definitely does hurt, especially considering how good he was this year um, and how effective he was. Um, that would have definitely helped against, again, a very good Dodger lineup. So 
you know, no surprises here, though. I think we all had the Dodgers going, you know, by a landslide. Um, but, you know, the Brewers, again, you know, they just didn't have, you know, the right um, tools at their disposal coming in. And, you know, just, you know, they weren't equipped. Yeah. Uh, you saw this was this was a series the Dodgers took control of early. Mookie Betts was great. Drove in three of the team's seven runs in the series. He was terrific at the plate. Whenever they needed a hit, he brought it, He brought in that run. So Mookie Betts has been terrific for them all year. But Clayton Kershaw was outstanding. Eight innings, 13 strikeouts. Cole, you just said, Kershaw has trouble in the playoffs. And no signs of that. And they're going to need that from him throughout the rest of the through the throughout the rest of the postseason for him to get where they want to go, which is a World Series title. So this if this is an indication of what Kershaw is going to be like the whole playoffs, keep feeding it because honestly he was terrific. There's not much much else to say. The Dodgers are the best team in the MLB, and they proved it in this series sweeping the Brewers. It'll be interesting to see how the Dodgers pitching staff matches up against Slam Diego and the Padres lineup because there's a big difference between the Padres lineup and the Brewers lineup, and that's fairly obvious. And Orion just like shrugged at that statement, but I don't even think that's controversial at all. The Padres lineup is way better than the Brewers lineup, so it, it'll be a good series. Oh, no, I uh, I'm not trying to shrug at that. I completely agree with that. There's no doubt. Okay, you maybe you're just going back into your chair, which you know sometimes. He's got to relax. Postseason baseball. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, other sweep was the Miami Marlins. I had them winning this series, and I think Cole did as well. Uh, I know I had them in three. I certainly didn't think they'd come out and do this, but they won game one behind Sandy Alcantara, who I already mentioned, great starting pitcher. They, beat, they managed to get some runs off Kyle Hendricks. They got him out in the seventh inning, and then – uh, Corey Dickerson hit a three-run bomb, and then Jesus Aguilar hit a two-run bomb. And that was all they needed because, like I said, they're pitching staff. A lot of people just wrote the Marlins off because they just said they were the Marlins. But coming into the year, we do. They had a young pitching staff that we figured wouldn't be this good, but they had some promise. They showed it in the postseason. And then on Thursday, they're scheduled for game two. Uh, game got postponed due to weather. And then game three on Friday was a shutout. And all they needed was two runs. Uh, I mean, it was a great performance. Sixto Sanchez, rookie of the year candidate, he shoved for the Marlins. He had to get out of a couple jams. The Cubs really just couldn't hit in this series. And that was really my main takeaway is the Marlins pitching staff dominated the Cubs lineup. What else did you guys see? Well, you know, again, we I talked a little bit about, you know, good managing you know, Don Mattingly's one of the best at doing that. You know, I think part of the reason why the Marlins have gotten so far is because, you know, his experience as a manager and, you know, he's been there before or in this kind of atmosphere before, you know, he knows how to handle teams like this. I feel like that also sort of helped the Marlins who, again, have that lack of postseason experience, but, you know, with a guy like him at the helm, you know, to sort of help them, you know, get where they need to be, you know, put the pieces in, in the right spots, if you will. Um, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Don. You know, he did a really nice job, um, you know, sort of piecing this together and helping this team get past the Cubs. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, the pitching of the of the Marlins, I think, just completely outmatched the Cubs. I mean, obviously, you had you Darvish who pitched, you know, well all season, and, you know, that obviously showed in that game too. Um, just couldn't get run support. You know, again, that's that's a killer, especially in the postseason, you know, it's good to have the pitching, but you got to have guys who are going to put runs up on the board, you know, regardless if it's small ball or, you know, hitting the ball 400 feet over the fence, you know, you got to be able to put runs on the board. And if you can't do that, then you can't win. And so unfortunately the Marlins who also brought good pitching, um, you know, were able to put runs on the board and we'll, we're able to find a way. I think it's huge, you know, and I think Miami definitely, you can't really take them as a joke anymore, especially after a series win like this. I mean, it, if people were taking him as a joke coming in, you definitely can't take him as a joke now. I mean, they've made it to the divisional series. They still have yet to lose a playoff series, which I find appalling. They have actually never lost a playoff series, um, which is insane. Um, it's going to be pretty entertaining to see how, how they fare um, in future matchups. Um, 
from here on out. But, you know, I was really impressed with them. I mean, I, I figured this series would at least probably go three games. I figured the Cubs would maybe at least find a way um, to squeak one out. But, I mean, Miami, Miami said, you know what, we want to win and we're here to win now. Um, and they did just that. Yeah, I was the only one that picked the Cubs in this series. Uh, well, I was wrong, you know. Hey, you guys were the ones that picked the Indians. So it was a trade-off. We had a fair trade-off. But I think the one thing that really hurt the Cubs was that their dominant three of Baez, Brian, and Rizzo combined to go 0 for 12 in game two and combined for 1 for 24 in the entire series. You can't do that. You, when you, those are your three, your three, arguably, arguably your three best bats. You need more production that, from them. They were horrible in this series, and I think that was a huge reason why the offense struggled and why they ended up losing this series because they could not hit. But Sixto Sanchez, terrific game in his first ever career playoff start, especially after two rough starts. In his final two starts of the regular season, he had given up nine combined runs. He went five shutout against a very solid lineup for the Cubs. So you got to give him a lot of credit. This Marlins team, they may say that they are the bottom feeders. They really aren't. This is a team that I think is going to give Atlanta a run for their money. So I was completely impressed with the Marlins. I'm excited to see that series against the Braves. It, you said that uh, Baez and Bryant have been the superstars for that team. They've not been good this year. And so that just really continued into the postseason. A lot of their offenses come from guys like Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras this year. And you know, Ian Happ did hit the home run in game one, which was, as far as I'm concerned, the only one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was the only run they scored all series. So, I mean, their offense wasn't great all year. They really thrived off of that really good uh, first two and a half weeks of the season. And after that, they played just under 500 baseball on the year. So, they – they were an interesting team coming in. I certainly thought they'd score more than one run, but there was a lot of disappointing performances from some of those teams in the NL Central because outside of the Cardinals, I mean, the Cubs scored one run, the Reds scored zero, and the Brewers scored two. So that's called bad. Like, you, it doesn't matter how good your pitching staff is. I, that, that meant to be funny on purpose, by the way. Uh, it doesn't matter how good your pitching staffs are. If you only score two runs in a series, you're going to lose. There's no other way to put it. So that that's that. And let's talk about the final series, my series, because, wow, this was electric. This is really uh, my first time getting to experience postseason baseball with the Padres. And let me tell you, it's different. Holy moly. Game one, Chris Paddock on the mound. And uh, he lost four runs in the first. And I'm saying, like, okay. Here we go. It's going to be a long ride. But uh, the Padres' offense, they, they, they were chipping away early, uh, straining a ton of runners. They hit the ball hard all, all game. Cardinals positioned themselves in the right places, and they got the outs when they needed to. And they they ran away with those runs early, and that was all that they needed. Game two, Padres down 4-0 in the second inning. I'm sitting there on my couch, and all my friends back home, they always tell me, Dom, you jinx everything. Like, everything you say, the opposite happens. So I'm standing there, and I'm laying on my couch saying, what can I do, Dominic Michael Stern, to help my team move on into the NLDS? And I fired off a tweet. Man, it's so depressing that this fantastic Padres season is going to end like this. Our boys deserve better. And guess what they did? They came back. They fought back. Fernando Tatis Jr. with the laser down the line in left field. Manny Machado follows it up back-to-back. Will Myers leads off the seventh inning with a bomb. Then Fernando Tatis Jr. opposite field, backflip. Let's go. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers, the first pair of teammates since Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig to hit a pair of home runs in the same postseason game. 1932. No one has done that since until Will Myers and Fernando Tatis Jr. And then game three, Potters only had two starting pitchers on the roster. And guess what? They ran with a bullpen day, and they shot him out using nine pitchers. That's the most pitchers used in a shutout, postseason or regular season game, since at least 1901. 
they don't they can't even tell how long it's been since that happened. That's how unprecedented the series was. The Padres just keep setting weird records, finding themselves weird ways into baseball history. And guess what? They're moving on to the NLDS. They're going to get their shot at the Dodgers. It's going to be a long shot, but I think the Padres, uh, they're capable. They have a good offense and a pitching staff that you know has some question marks for sure, especially in the starting rotation. But uh, as long as the offense can put up some runs, who knows? Dom, I would just like to say, you, you, you saying your middle name just reminded me we have the same one. And two, I kind of exposed you on Twitter. Yeah, you exposed me because I was trying to jinx the Padre. And guess what I did? I jinxed us. I did it. World's number one fan. Uh, obviously, that's a joke. But, I mean, the series was, was electric. And the the comeback win by the Padres was probably the second best game of the postseason, only behind that Indians-Yankees game. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching this series. Um, it was it was going to be fun to see how, like you said, the pitching of the Padres, which is obviously you know not in a really good place right now, especially the starting pitching, um, you know, was going to fare against the Cardinals, um, who have been in a playoff setting before. They know how to play in um, in those spots. They found themselves in the NLCS last year. They lost to the Nationals. This is a team that's been there before. A team that's very experienced going up against a team that hasn't been there in 14 years. And it was cool just to see how, you know, all this talent from the Padres, you know, really elevated itself, you know, on the national stage in the postseason. You know, I think people knew about Fernando coming in um, after the numbers he was putting up this year and after all he was doing. But then, you know, he, you know, on ESPN, you know, big time games, he hits two home runs in game two and, you know, really electrifies that lineup or, you know, helps electrify that lineup and wills them um, to a series win. It was really entertaining to watch. The thing that is going to still be, I think, a little bit concerning, again, going into a series against the Dodgers is how their pitching is going to fare against that lineup. Um, it, again, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they really, um, in, in some ways, got lucky against the Cardinals. Um, game three was just really well managed by Jay Stingler. Like you said, nine pitchers in nine innings. He made do with what he had, um, and he helped him get the win. Um, and so that's a huge thing. Again, going into the series against the Dodgers, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. They're such a good lineup. Um, it's a team that they have seen each other a significant amount this year. Um, it's going to be a really entertaining and fun matchup, but it was just really cool to see, you know, sort of a remix of things in the postseason. You know, we haven't seen the Padres there um, in, in a while, to say the least. And, you know, to see them come out, you know, really submit themselves as, like, contenders and say, hey, we're here. We're not a joke. We're not pushovers. We're going to fight. We're going to compete. And they shut – and they, you know, they didn't really shut them down, but they, they beat a Cardinals team that, you know, is very seasoned when it comes to um, the playoffs and everything like that. I thought it was a very impressive series win. Um, and I'm definitely going to be looking forward to watching this series um, play out against the Dodgers. Yeah. I think a healthy Padres is the strongest contender to knocking off the Dodgers in all of baseball. Now, Clevenger did throw a bullpen today in Texas. It was, according to John Morosi, who you can determine how valid his sources are. That's up to your determination. Uh, a, in an aggressive bullpen, which really means that Clevenger is actually going at it. He's trying to get himself prepared to possibly start in the series. Uh, I mean, after starting pitchers, the two really only starting pitchers in the series, one allowed six runs, the other allowed four, and none of them finished the third inning. They need Mike Clevenger, or they need Denelson Lamette. So the series, it's a huge coin flip if those if one of those guys can go. If not, it's going to take nothing short of a miracle if the Potters can win that series. Ryan, got anything to add on this one? Of course, I have some that. I love talking. But, no, the Padres did a great job coming back, you know. They beat a bullpen game, beat Jack Flaherty, who I think one of us picked to win the Cy Young before COVID and the 60-game season had to come about. Nine pitchers, 
got through it. Shout out to your bullpen. Really, the bullpen was terrific. Getting that win. Tatis, five RBIs in game two. Real big game from him. He and Will Myers combined for nine of your team's 11 runs. Those two matched the offense of the Cardinals by themselves. They both were terrific and helped your offense get back and get to win that game. Then the shutout in the last game, again, completely impressed with the bullpen. Tatis, another good game. The Padres are a fun team to watch. They're resilient. And this game and this series showed it because they could have given up when they were down 4-0 in the second inning and were down 6-2 in, like, I think the fourth, if I remember correctly, but came back and won. So I'm excited. I'm still worried about them going into this series, especially with the availability of Dino Lamette and Clevenger. And who knows if they even pitch, if they're at 100%. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. Uh, we won't know until Tuesday whether any of them are gonna go. And Preller's got a few tricks up his sleeves. Uh, if none of those guys go, he might bring up some prospects such as Mackenzie Gore to possibly start those games. That would be awesome. I'm not sure that's the greatest idea in the world, but hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. So let's talk about these division series matchups. Let's start in the AL because these games start tomorrow on Monday. Well, early afternoon baseball because Rob Manfred hates everyone. Uh, game starting at one, and it's so gotta clarify. All four of these series are featuring divisional matchups. You got two two from the west and two from the east. So I thought that was very fascinating because the central sucks, uh, which is something that we've basically said all year, uh, and it showed. Uh, shout out Trevor Bauer. Uh, he was trying to argue the central. Uh, had four playoff teams. Uh, but Houston versus Oakland, who do you guys like in this series? Well, it's for two things. It's going to be fun to see how it plays out um, with the whole rival, rivalry thing and, you know, how things fared earlier this year with Ramon Luriano um, trying to take on pretty much the whole dugout. Um, you know, these teams have beef. You know, they don't like each other, um, which is going to make it that much more entertaining. But – I think sort of the second thing is, you know, how does the pitching of the A's, which, you know, was sort of up and down, um, Bassett was really good, but how does Lazardo bounce back against the Astros? You know, how does Liam Hendricks, who, you know, struggled a little bit against the White Sox, bounce back against the Astros? You know, they're not taking on an offense to the caliber of the White Sox, but, you know, the Astros obviously proved, you know, again, experience, you know, really trumps, you know, talent a lot of times when it comes to the postseason and against a really talented twins lineup and, you know, pitching staff as well, they did a really good job. Um, I'd say that, you know, for me, I think the A's are going to win. I do, but I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. And I think it's going to be interesting. And I think it could go all five games. I don't, I can't really, I don't, I can't really put a number on it now because I just don't know, but I personally think it's going to be a pretty interesting series. And I think Houston you know, proved why, you know, even though they're not, they're not as good as they used to be. They're not, you know, uh, the trash throws. Um, they're still a pretty solid postseason team and they can still compete with a team like the A's who they've seen quite a bit this year. I got A's in this one and it's cause this team is that good. They've got one of the best bullpens in the entire MLB. They've got a terrific offense, even without Matt Chapman. But here's the biggest reason why I think they're going to win. This is revenge for them. They feel they've just been screwed by the Astros the past couple of years because they're cheating and they've been cheated out of division titles. This is where they say, you cheat, you're done. They're going to put the nail in their coffin and be done with them and show them that they're the best team in the West. So I've got the A's winning this one. I've got the A's as well. I think they'll take it in four. I think the Astros take a game eventually, but the A's, they have the better bullpen. In my opinion, they have a more complete lineup, but the top of the Astros lineup is certainly better than them, especially name brand and the starting pitching staff. I'm going to give the tip of my cap to, to the A's, especially with Chris Bassett, who not a lot of people like Ryan mentioned, knew who he was coming into the year. Now I knew who he was because I used him over the show all the time, but uh, Bassett, He's going to be starting game one against Lance McCullers on Monday. 
I think they're going to win that game. I think they're going to they're going to mow through the Astros. And Astros find a way to sneak out one game. Other American League Division Series. This is the Eastern one. Uh, New York Yankees versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I had this matchup preseason, but I had it flipped. I had the Rays being the wildcard team, the Yankees being the divisional team. So who do we like in this series, guys? This is tough for me. This is really tough. I think, you know, both teams with who had pretty commanding wins against both of their uh, both of their opponents in the wildcard round um, are really geared up for a pretty interesting matchup. I think it's – I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. I think the Yankees, um, who obviously were able to fend off a, a much more potent team in the Indians, um, are probably – riding the hot hand more here. Um, but you got to give the Rays a lot of credit. You know, they find ways to win. They performed really well against the Yankees in, in the regular season. Again, we talk about, you know, seeing teams in the regular season quite a bit. And that's sort of the thing you get with these, you know, Eastern and Western division postseason matchups, you know, teams that have played against each other the majority of the season. Um, they know each other really well. Um, and it's going to be very interesting. I don't know. It's going to be a pretty intriguing series. I think I got the Yankees, but I think it's going to be close. I think, again, Tampa's a very well put together and managed team. Um, but I think the Yankees, again, riding that hot hand, coming off of a very, very commanding series win against the Indians, um, you know, that's really going to help them coming into this series. I think – I think it's going to be close. Again, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup, but I like the Yankees. This is an extremely tough decision. This is going to be, I think, the best series. that This one or the Padres series. I have the Rays going to the World Series, and I'm going to go back on it. I'm taking the Yankees. The Yankees beat a more potent team, like Cole said, but their offense is just getting started. They're healthy. And that's the key part. Garrett Cole is a beast in the playoffs. He proved that. Tanaj usually starting, usually performs well in the playoffs. He'll try to bounce back. But the lineup is just going to continually put up runs. They put up 22 runs in two games against the Indians who have the AL Cy Young and a terrific bullpen. I, I have the Yankees in this one. It's going to go the distance, I believe, but Yankees take it. Yeah, I also believe the series is going five. I'm a man of my word. I'm sticking with the Rays. I've been riding them all year. Uh, America's team, I believe that they separate this game at the pitching staff. I mean, you talk about how the Yankees just uh, just dismantled the Indians, but the Yankees scored 315 runs this year. Now, they probably would have scored more if they were a little more healthy. The Blue just scored 302, and the Rays just absolutely locked them down. So... I'm going to ride with the Rays. I think their pitching staff is significantly better than the Yankees. I think the Yankees are going to put up runs. I think the Rays will match them in a couple of games. I think the Yankees certainly take game one. Uh, they're facing Snell, who's a left-handed pitcher. A lot of the good Yankees bats are right-handed, so I think that's a matchup for them, especially with Cole on the mound. But I'll take the Rays in five. I, I love the Rays, man. They're such a fun team to watch. 28th payroll, 28th highest payroll in the MLB, and they have the best record in the AL. That's phenomenal. So let's move over to the NL side. Let's talk about the the Marlins and the Braves. This is the Eastern teams. Uh, who do we like in this series? I know that I certainly like the Braves in this one. Yeah, me too. But, again, I think the Marlins, again, they're not a joke. They're going to play really well. And against the Braves lineup, who struggled against the Reds but still found a way to win. They're going up against another team with good pitching. I think that's a huge thing to think about here. And, again, we talk about, you know, having good pitching and how much that means going into the postseason. And even though the Braves' pitching showed up in that wild card series, it's going to have to show up again against Miami. And it's one of those things where it's like, how long can it last before it just sort of falls off the rails? I mean, Max Free can only do so much. Ian Anderson – had a really good start, but can he replicate that and do it again in the postseason? It's going to be tough to see, um, or it's going to be interesting to see, um, but it's going to be tough for the Braves, I think, when, on the pitching side of things, 
to piece this thing together, and we'll see how they do it. Offensively, obviously, they're great, but they're going to have to score. They're going to have to put runs on the board. And, again, going against another team with good pitching, you know, Sixto Sanchez and Sandy Alcantara, who pitched really well for the Marlins in the Cubs series, um, they're going to probably have to go through both of those guys as well. Um, it's going to be a fun series. I also got the Braves. I think they do find a way to win, and I think they do find a way to get into the championship series. But I think the series goes all five games. I think Miami's legit. I think they're not a joke at all. I think they're going to definitely compete with the Braves. And it's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think this is going to be a terrific series. I think that the Braves are going to win the series, but I think Miami's going to make it a series. I think they're not going to just lay down and die. I think they're going to continue to fight. Max Freed, he's going to pitch well. I think if we see Max Freed versus Sixto Sanchez, I think we're in for a terrific game. Or or Cindy Alcantara against Ian Anderson or even Max Freed. Both teams have solid pitching. But when it comes to the offense, it goes to the Braves. They've got M- MV Free, Freddie Freeman. They've also got Ronald Cunha Jr., Ozzy Albies, Marcelo Zuna. They've got a deep lineup and a great offense, and I think that's what's going to carry them to the NLCS. I'm going to ride with the Braves as well. I'm not convinced that this Marlins lineup is going to be able to uh, stick with the Braves lineup. The pitching staff is going to keep them in games, no doubt about that in my mind. But, I mean, the way that this Braves pitching staff performed, I don't see why I can't ride with them. Max Freed, game one, Ian Anderson, game two, that's already been announced. Marlins haven't announced anything yet. I would assume this is going to be Alcantara and then Sixo Sanchez like they had in the previous series against the Cubs. We'll see. Uh, Lopez could certainly go in one of those two games as he hasn't pitched this postseason because they didn't need him to. Uh, but I'm going to ride with the Braves. I'm going to take him in four. I think that uh, the Marlins find a way to sneak out a very close, low-scoring game, but the Braves' offense is going to take them to the NLCS. I said on our last show, the winner of the Braves versus the Reds is going to the NLCS. I picked the Reds in that series. I was wrong, but I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say Braves to the NLCS. Final one, Padres versus the Dodgers. Don't worry. You guys aren't going to hurt my feelings if you pick the Dodgers because let me tell you, they're they're still my World Series pick. And despite how awesome it was to see the Padres in that, that series, I don't think they're going to do too much to the Dodgers here. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, I do think it will be interesting, um, and they can make things interesting if – or depending on how the pitching um, – shapes up for them heading into the series. Um, obviously with there being a lot of uncertainties and we're two days out, you know, that's, that's sort of a um, concern I'd say, but bottom line is you can't put 11 runs up every single game, especially in the postseason, especially against the Dodgers pitching staff. Um, if they could do that, then I'd say they probably win the series, but you just can't do that. You need the pitching. And, you know, unfortunately you can't have a bullpen day every single time out. Um, they're going to need guys like Paddock and Davies to step up at bare minimum. If Lamette and Clevenger, or at least one of those guys can come back, that is a huge help. But again, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this fares. Um, I obviously still got the Dodgers. I, again, they just shape up better in pretty much every department. Um, but I think it's, I think the Padres will at least find a way to win one, maybe two, depending on how, um, again, you know, the pitching looks, you know, cu- coming into the series. But, um, yeah, I have the Dodgers. Again, I'm like you, like pretty much everyone here. Um, I'm sticking with my World Series pick. Um, you know, they're just they're just so much better. And uh, if they somehow do find a way to choke this away, I mean, it's going to be funny, but it's going to be so much more appalling again because just how that how good that team is. I mean, there's really no excuse to lose. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be an interesting series to watch. I think the difference in this one is just Padres pitching coming in. I got Dodgers. This is my World Series pick. I'm going to stick with them. They have a terrific lineup. They have two MVPs in the outfield. They've got a terrific pitching staff, terrific bullpen. I think this will be a much closer series if the Padres were fully healthy. But they're not. 
and I think that's going to have an effect. But overall, Dodgers are the better team. They're the best team in the league, and I think that they're going to pull away and they're going to get to the NLCN. Yeah, another one of those series where I think this only goes four games. I think the Dodgers take the Padres, and I just want to see them win one time against the Dodgers in the postseason. I'll be happy with that. I know the Padres are certainly capable of taking the series, but without the pitching staff in a five-game series with no days off, it's going to be extremely challenging. They're going to need either Clevenger or Lamette if they want to have a good shot at it. It's going to be tough. I've been very thrilled with how the season's gone. And trust me, this is not me trying to jinx it. This is just me being being real. I think that the Dodgers do take this series and they roll through. Uh, Dodgers fans were certainly loud about the Padres fans celebrating in downtown San Diego about the Padres postseason victories. I don't care. You know, we, we've been through a lot. Uh, it's been a great season. I hope it doesn't end this week, but it probably does. So, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Golden Sombrero Show. Right around an hour, guys. Good stuff. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week to preview the championship series for both the NL and the AL and talk about these four series. Uh, we hope you enjoy watching baseball for the next couple of weeks because uh, I know that for certain this past offseason sucked. Uh, this next one hopefully will be shorter than the one we just experienced, but uh, don't take it for granted because who, who knows? Uh, I'm Dominic Stern on behalf of Cole Bradley and Ryan Blank. Thank you for watching. Uh, hope to see some more strikeouts. Forgot to mention, Harrison Bader, platinum sombrero in game one against the Padres. Uh, it was awesome. Oh, that was, this was the small victory I got during that game. But thank you for watching. We'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for coming in.